I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? I'm Josiah Keneally, and I hope that just like that intro song, I, I do hope that you are feeling alive, fully alive, that you're living your best life, and you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world for Jesus today, and uh, joined for this conversation by our friend Luke Leferf. Luke, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing today? Doing Wow. What's up in your world? Oh, man. You know, a little bit of everything. Uh, We are new parents over in our household. So a lot of uh, keeping up with baby and adjusting to that life. And so it's a lot of what we're up to. But um, yeah, man, it's a fun season for sure. Your dad powers have activated. They've come in full force, and I'm excited 100%. for you. Proud of you. You're doing a great job. And Thank for the listener, man. we drop new episodes every Monday morning. So thanks for um, listening, for streaming, for subscribing, for leaving us a rating or a review, as well as sharing this message with other young leaders. And Luke, I wanted to start this conversation. Um, heard just a minute ago before we hit record about your maybe life verse. Do you want to share it with us to kick it off? Yeah, definitely. My kind of the verse that seems to really just reverberate like in my spirit over and over is second Chronicles 16, nine, which just says for the eyes of the Lord are searching the translation I memorized is to and fro, but either, you know, they're searching back and forth across the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. And, um, you know, I think part of the reason I love that verse so much is just because it informs my theology, my view of God, that he's not sitting back on his throne going, maybe I'll move, maybe I won't, but he's actively searching to show himself strong. And what he's looking for isn't talent. It's not good looks. It's not economic status. It's not anything other than what everyone can give him, which is a fully devoted heart. And so, you know, I have that on a, on a banner over my desk that I look at every day when I'm working and just a reminder of, you know, he's looking and he's looking for the one thing that every day I can give him. And, um, so that encourages me a lot. Luke, it's so good. It encourages me. I love that verse. I know Micah loves that verse and I pray it's encouraging to the listener that it speaks to you because you might've asked the question that I've asked before, which is, am I, a blip on the radar. Like, does God see me? Does anybody see me? Does anybody see what the work that I'm doing? Am I making a difference? And the answer is yes. You are on heaven's radar. You are seen and known and loved and wanted and chosen and adored. And so we're on fire. We're fired up. And Luke, as we've already started strong, do you just want to share some of your story, maybe some of the recent work you've been doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of where... My story starts, and I won't get into a lot of this because we'll, we don't really have time on this whole podcast, but kind of where our story starts is just the Lord has been moving in Nashville, where I live, in some pretty profound ways over the past several years throughout the whole church in, in our city, you know, Capital C Church, and just ways that he's been moving with unifying the church in saving the lost. And, you know, a big part of what we've seen recently is just even over the past couple of years, over a thousand high school students, college students um, have gotten saved um, in a one county. 
it's crazy. It's we're just like the Lord is doing some amazing things and they're in some of the craziest and like darkest places of, you know, we saw like 400 students get saved in the middle of a rave, which was like these high school students started throwing parties in our city and we felt like the Lord said, Hey, I'm going to open the door for you to preach the gospel in their parties. And we we're like, okay, cool. And very long story with a lot of miraculous things, but eventually like they let us get up at the end of their party where a thousand kids had shown up and 400 got saved and just things that the Lord's been doing in just among, you know, youth, young adults, college students in the city for the past couple of years now. And, um, and then currently what we're really focusing on, what we feel like the Lord has us focusing on is so we've, we've done college ministry here in Nashville, my wife and I for several years. And um, it was in May of 2020 when everything kind of started to shut down. We had a bunch of stuff planned for that year. Obviously none of it ended up happening because everything was canceled. And we just really took time to pray and felt like the Lord had started just like stamping on our hearts, this call to uh, the word we kept hearing was that, just like Luke, I want you to call the next generation, the, the young people of America to consecration. And I was like, okay, like consecration, like I'm familiar with that, like I'm familiar with the concept, but kind of this idea of like, that's not something mainstream that I would have like been like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's what I would have guessed. But just this, um, this desire that I believe is in the heart of God to get a, a you know, a fully devoted generation, like second Chronicles 16, nine talks about, and um, so we had, so we ended up launching what we call Consecrate, which is the movement that we're, my wife and I are leading. And we launched that in Dallas, where we met for the first time uh, last year in October. So that was our launch. And then getting ready to host um, another event this year in Nashville, where we live. Um, and so, really focusing on that, it's kind of our main thrust and, and focus area right now. But we're just excited about a lot of what the Lord's doing in our city and our generation. And so just like the Lord is doing with you guys, like you were just telling me about the students and the, the adults getting saved just last weekend. And so Lord's moving. No kidding. Uh, I see with this generation, a few things that I've observed is um, it seems like hype is not a big deal, mm. but hunger is, and this mm, is a hungry group. This is a hungry yeah. generation. And I, I see yeah. also, fears that in the past have crippled mm. are being wiped out and removed yeah. like there's a fear not anthem faith yeah. is rising god's on mm. the move in this generation and yeah. uh there's breakthrough miracle power there's people experiencing yeah. salvation maybe yeah. they're rededicating their lives to christ like you yeah. you know we were talking about and yeah. and then god's showing up in remarkable ways so we yeah. want there to be known that there is good news yeah. And there's also good news about our generation. Yeah. And um, we share that passion and excitement and belief in young adults. And I'm just curious because, you know, we have two little kids. Um, yeah. We have a two-year-old. Actually, she's 25 months. And then we have a nine-month-old. And mm -hmm. so I love being a dad, love being a husband. Yeah. And you're a new dad as well. So yeah. I'd be curious, what's it been like for you adjusting to um a new person in your life in your yeah. house that matters so much like what's that done and how how have you like in your wife um focused on maybe balancing or prioritizing refocusing ministry and work and parenting yeah. family all the things 
Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like for us, this transition into the season has been um, unusual, I feel like, compared to most, because we had a lot of transition all at the same time when the baby was coming, which helped actually in a lot of ways. Um, So for the past several years, I had worked a full-time job and then done ministry outside of uh, that full-time job. So it was you know, my nights and weekends was what was focused on getting consecrate launched and, and doing all of that. And so while working full time and a month after the baby got here, I transitioned into consecrate being my full time job, which was great because then I went from basically having two jobs to having one job, which while having a baby helps a lot. Um, you know, I would say too, my wife and I were kind of surprised. I feel like people like to scare you like when they find out you're having a baby, they're just like, get ready to like never sleep again. And you're everything in your entire life is going to completely change. And uh, you're going to be dead. Like, you'll just be so tired. You won't even like know you're alive. And I'm like, okay, like this is going to be terrible. Like This is going to be so bad. And I'm like, I'm just ready. Like we're prepared. And um, it wasn't like that. I mean, it, you're tired hundred percent. Like, especially those first, you know, like four weeks when, Um, You're trying to figure everything out, like the learning curve. Big plus for us, we have a lot of family in Nashville. Like we have people that will pay us to watch our child. They're like, please let us watch your baby. That is a, yeah, dude, it's a game changer. It's like, uh, you know, it's, we joke that we'll probably never have to pay for childcare just because of like both grandparents are here. My sister, like, so, and you know, my wife's brothers, like so many are all here. So that's huge being around family. Um, but you know, we just kind of decided we're like, you know, we, you know, we don't live on a foreign mission field, but we basically treat ourselves like we're missionaries, right? Like we were set apart to be missionaries to America and we're like, okay, um, this is just going to be a missionary baby. Like she's just going to have to learn to like come along with what we're doing. And like, when we're doing stuff, she'll just bring her with us and, and uh, she'll adjust. And she's a super chill baby, which really helps. But it's um, it's been a really sweet, fun season. Um, tired, but not nearly as tired as we thought we would be. And um, it's just been a very, very fun and sweet season for us. So It's amazing, Luke. And maybe it was good that you had some warning that, you know, caused you to be like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, you were maybe pleasantly surprised it was kind of maybe a under promise over deliver situation exactly. and uh you know I, I noticed this about like life events say you propose everyone wants yeah. to hear the story for about 30 seconds and then they tell yeah. you how they proposed yeah. or like you have a shower and yeah. you, as a guy you've never been to a baby shower in your life and yeah. then everyone tells you about their baby shower yeah uh, or, or, you know, and so I think that there's definitely, I think people love life events and they love yeah. giving their input and their advice. And, um, I'd be curious, uh, because I think that there's going to be some young leaders listening, Luke, who are like you, who are on fire for the Lord and God's eyes have landed on them and they've recognized like, Hey, I'm sensing the call of God on my life mm-hmm. and I'm just called to chosen to be a voice in my generation i want to see the goodness of god in the land of the living and i want my generation to know the love and the hope that i found in jesus and so for that person 
I'd be curious your insight if you'd tell us maybe because you are a part of Generation Z as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what aspects of your generation, the, the Generation Z, encourage you, and like what yeah. gives you hope for the next generation? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say I think the first thing about what gives me hope for the next generation is. Uh, not necessarily something I see in Gen Z, but something I, I see in the pages of the Bible. And it, I think we can so often get to this point of like, oh my gosh, like what the heck is happening in our world right now? Like what's happening in our nation? What's happening in the church? And um, when I read the Bible, I think the thing that overwhelms me from Genesis to Revelation is that God has a plan. And I think it would be you know, I think it's almost like we can treat like, man, God had this crazy detailed plan from Genesis to through Jesus. And then his plan disappeared. And it was like, that's not the way God works. Like he has a plan from the beginning of time to the end of time. And he has a plan to rescue and save and redeem and heal and restore. And, um, and I think we would be foolish not to think that he has a detailed plan for right now. I mean, when you, for Pete, when you read, like you read from Genesis to, you know, you get into even books like Daniel, where Daniel's prophesying about the exact secession of world kingdoms of where he's like, this kingdom is going to fall into this kingdom to this kingdom and how it exactly plays out that way throughout world history from, you know, the prophecies about Jesus and how, the restoration of God's people would come. It's like God has a detailed plan. And so I think for me, that gives me so much hope to know that again, God's not sitting back on his throne going, maybe I'll move. Maybe I won't. He's like, I've got a plan. And I'm just looking for fully devoted people. And, uh, you know, part of my encouragement would just be, you know, find out what God's doing in your generation, in our generation and get involved with that. And whatever he asks you to do, like kind of my life question that I always just present before the Lord is God, what are you asking me to do? Whether it is sweeping floors at the back of my church to, you know, setting up chairs to like, or starting consecrate, like, what are you asking of me? Because that's what's going to succeed. That's what's going to, that's what, that's what God's hand is going to be on. It's like when you get in with God's plans, like jumping in a river, it's like there's momentum, right? It's just like, it's already moving. You just have to jump in. And so I think that's what gives me encouragement for Gen Z and things that are hope for Gen Z. But what encourages me about Gen Z is I think some of the things that you were just saying earlier of, I'm, I am seeing a very radical hunger in Gen Z and, and a hunger for hard truth, like the real truth. I think, um, you know, I heard somebody say a couple weeks ago, they said, you know, the messages that would have shut down a church 10 years ago are what bring revival right now. And I think they're hungry. Like they have seen, um, all of across the spectrum from whether it's political, whether it's in the church, like just, they're just like, if it's not Jesus, it doesn't work. Or, or they're coming to realize that once they hear the gospel and, um, and they're not shying away from the radical call that is the call to repentance and follow Jesus. And, um, you know, they're not a type of generation. that's like, I want to be half in half out. They're like, I'm looking for something to give my life for. Yeah. And, um, and when they find it, they're going all in and what, you know, nothing better to give your life for than the greatest mission and message, uh, that history will has known and will know. And so I think those are 
couple of the things that give me hope and then encourage me about what I'm seeing in Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. And I share that hope, the optimism, the excitement. I see God is moving. And I would just say that, um, you know, it is helpful to look at the, the history for a second and to recognize we're not the first generation. This isn't the first time that the big ball has circled around the sun. Like God created this thing. We are on the winning team because of an invitation from Jesus. We have victory. So we're on the winning team and then pause. And then I think that from there to go like, God, what are you doing? Like, what's the next obedient step? What's the next right thing to do today? There's such wisdom in you pointing that out. And I, um, I also like looking at uh, scripture, like you said, mm-hmm. what's what's God done in the past? How does he operate? How do we have a theology or a framework of understanding yeah. how God involves himself in his creation and humanity? Yeah. And I like um, sometimes asking leaders the question, like, what are you working on? What are you excited about? And I asked that to John Tyson yeah. not that long ago in his it was interesting you brought up Daniel a second ago because yeah. that's my middle name. And then mm. besides that, um, he he just said like, hey, um, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He goes, how did these guys, because I asked him this question, he goes, well, I'm working on Josiah. Mm. And I thought he was joking because it was my name or something. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm working on Josiah for a generation. And he goes, Mm. the Mm. reason that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the reason that these young men Mm. were able to hold on to faith Mm. in exile in Babylon is because of Josiah's repentance. Wow. In the window that that opened up for them to know the almighty God, Wow. And this this repentance opened up a window for the next generation. So that was his answer, not mine. But when you're talking about Daniel, and then for me, the connection of Josiah and Daniel, I had never Mm -hmm. known that there was a connection before. Yeah. Yeah. Josiah being the last good king Mm -hmm. of Judah and then into even into exile like that. And and I think of the work that you're Mm -hmm. doing, Luke, Mm -hmm. of calling a generation to be consecrated fully mm-hmm. devoted to god his eyes are searching to and fro it's cool that just to talk about that connection you know and mm, I'd powerful. Ask you, right right it is powerful i'd ask you this like to follow that up there mm-hmm. are movements among young adults there's discipleship efforts on college campuses and mm-hmm. even local churches why do you believe that things like discipling 18 to 30 year olds reaching young adults for Christ, maybe things like campus ministry, young adult ministry, this idea of reaching the next generation, why is it so vital or important? Yeah, that's a great question. I There's a few things right off the bat that I think, like maybe some practical and, and some, um, well, actually they're all practical. But one of, the, one of the first things I would say is just statistically, when you look at when people give their life to Christ, and when they're the most open and when they have the most potential to really lay hold of that and it's sustained for a lifetime, it's in that high school through young adult range. Like if you can get them in that age range, um, that's when you have the best chance, like for them to really lay hold of the gospel. And so I think that's huge. Like we have to 
hit them in that time frame. Um, you know, one of the things I love about college campuses is it's like people are just open-minded enough to like have not been set in their ways to go, hey, I'm open to new ideas um, if they're really far from the Lord. Um, but then they're also really radical when they go all in, like when they're like, when they jump in, like they're all in a lot of times. Um, but I think the other reason why I would say it's so important is because I really believe what the Bible talks about of the judgment seat of Christ, where, um, you know, the Bible has two judgments that it talks about in Revelation. You have the great white throne judgment, which is the judgment of unbelievers that do not know Jesus. And then it talks about where Paul says, he said, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the works we've done in the, in, in our body, whether good yeah. or bad. Yeah. And he's talking to believers and he's saying, you know, one day you're going to stand before Jesus and, you know, it's not going to be a question of, am I saved or not? It's going to, you know, if you put your faith in Jesus, it is, you know, our sins are forgiven. That has been uh, completely covered by the blood of Jesus. That's not the question, but what it is going to be asked of us, you know, when we see things like this in like the parable of the talents, the parable of the minus, things like that, of what did you do with what I gave you? Yeah. And um, I want to get people when they're young. Like I, I was like, I think of, of, uh, you know, in high school, I got a hold of John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. And, and his book, and then John Bevere's book, Driven by Eternity. And these two books that were like, oh my gosh, like what I'm doing today, I'll stand before God one day and give an account for this. And every hour and minute of my life, I'm going to wish when I stood before Jesus was given every ounce of passion, every breath in my lungs was given to bringing him glory and to getting as many people to know him and love him as possible. And if we can get them while they're young so they can spend a lifetime doing that. I mean, I think that's what we're looking, you know, looking to do. And I think the greatest tragedy, um, honestly, because I think that can scare people like, oh, I'm going to stand before Jesus one day. And you know, Paul says there will be some that are saved as though by fire, because it says that Jesus, when we stand before him, is going to test our works. And it says if it's built with wood, hay, and straw, which is just things of the world, um, it's going to get burned up when he tests it. But if it's built with um, precious stones, it talks about which is the, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the advancement of the gospel. It's like those things are going to stand that test. And I think we can look at that and be like, oh, no, like, I don't just want to waste my life. But I think the greatest tragedy is the Bible talks about, you know, Paul says, if you persevere to the end, you'll receive the crown of life. Right. And, you know, we see in revelation where the elders are falling before the throne and casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus. I don't think the greatest tragedy would be getting there and going, man, my life on earth was wasted, but really having wasted our life to the point where we have nothing to lay at the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. is not really, it's going to be man. So poor me standing before Jesus, having, you know, my life was wasted, but going, man, I'm seeing the one who is so much more worthy, so much more beautiful, so much more holy, so much more de- just in- inspires my love and adoration so much more than I ever could have imagined. And I have nothing to give him. And if we can get them while they're young, it's like you can spend a lifetime going after that um, rather than, you know, not that if later in life that you can't do exactly what God's called you to do. But if you could spend a lifetime doing that one day, hopefully standing before the Lord and hearing the words, well done. I think that's why it's so important to, to go after the next generation. 
oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. And just think that it's such a mandate, like you were talking about, of to save as many people as we can, as quickly as we can, while we still can, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, that is the great commandment. That is the great commission, is to go and make disciples. And I'll comment on this. If you are looking to get fired up, and you maybe feel like you're in a place where your faith is stagnant, um, of course, prayer and God's word are some amazing places to go. And with those, a couple of tools that Luke talked about that got into his life and into his spirit were Don't Waste Your Life by Minnesota's own John Piper. And the other would be Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. If you want to have a fired up summer. Yeah, come on. read There's those. some reading material for you right there. And um, 100%. Man, you're seeing a lot of leaders maybe in Nashville or in Texas or in, in kind of a unique vantage point across the country. If you could share something with a group of young leaders as far as advice or insight, yeah. what would you share? You know, this would probably be um, an unexpected piece of advice. But I think it's something that has really helped me. Um, it may sound not very spiritual, but I think it's actually very spiritual. Is, um, you know, when I first got out of high school, like in high school, I knew I wanted to go into ministry. Like I was sold out. My grandpa was a pastor. My parents were like basically unpaid staff at our church, like my entire life. Like I knew, I didn't just know I wanted to go into ministry. I knew I had a call on my life from God. And, um, what the Lord had put in me. And then also just things that had been spoken over me, just prophetic words over my life from different people in my life and things like that. Like I knew I've got a call in my life and I have a feeling that there's something significant that God has called me to do. And, um, I really wanted to just jump in and go, uh, to, uh, into ministry right away. And, um, right out of high school, my state in Tennessee, they had passed this thing where you could get two years of community college for free. Yeah. And my parents were like, Hey, I would really like encourage you to take advantage of this. Cause you had to do it the year right after you got out of high school. So I did that. And then I went on and got my bachelor's degree right after that. Cause like, cool, I can get two years of free school. And they're like, now it's time for ministry. Like, let's go. Like, and, um, we had just gotten done also hosting cause I had started a campus ministry in college and we had just hosted like this huge conference and like a bunch of people got saved. Like it was just this whole miraculous storyline of stuff that the Lord had done. And I was like, this is it like ministry time. And then, um, for five years, <laughs> which I had started, I had started this job in, in my freshman year of, uh, of college or I guess sophomore year for five years, I ended up working a 40 hour a week job at uh, Apple, uh, of all places, which is like the most liberal com like company on the planet. Um, and I did not want to be there. Like I didn't even want to be there in the first place. I only went there because th another job that I thought I was getting ready to like get hired for fell through. And for five years, I work at this company every day feeling like, God, I feel like Joseph. Like I know Apple's not prison, like, you know, but a lot of days, it feels like prison and i'm like and this really sucks and um you know, every day getting up going into you know going into work and a great job so thankful for the provision but it's like 
I remember specific, I remember I was on a sales call, like with a bunch of teams from around the country and I was presenting on this sales call. And so I prepped for it. Like I would prep for a sermon. Like I, I was praying, like I was like just asking God to, you know, give me the words to say, to like anoint what I was about to, to share. And there are people on this zoom call crying, like crying while I'm talking about sales and, and I, and they got done. They're like, I don't know what came over me. They're like, I am crying. Like you talking about this. And, um, and I got done and I was just like mad. I was like, God, it's awesome. Like you just totally moved on this call, but I'm like, but isn't that proof that like, I'm called to be like preaching? Like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? And, um, and so I get into the sales role at Apple. I'm there. And I remember one day I was just praying. I just asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And he just said, I'm fast tracking you. And I was like, really? It doesn't feel like it. Does this does not feel like fast track? This feels like the slow track. Like this is not where I'm supposed to be. And um, it was even just weird things of like, I'd get a call, like I'm, and they'd be like, hey, Luke, we want you to come speak at this conference. No idea how this person heard about me. Like literally like through dinner with a friend who heard about something we were doing in Nashville with another friend. And it's like 200,000 people they want me to come speak to. And, and I'm like, this is it. This is my ticket out. And then next week, like go speak. The next day I'm at work again and I'm just like hidden. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so I asked the Lord, I'm like, you know, he's like, I'm fast tracking you. And back up to just a few months ago, I um, am at this job and, uh, and so we're getting ready to launch some stuff with Consecrate. And I got connected with this guy that was helping us do all of our fundraising. And he's like, okay, this is how you need to do it. And all of a sudden I realized that the job I'd been doing for five years at Apple was literally the exact job that I would need to do to be able to launch our ministry. And I would have had no idea how to do it if I hadn't been at Apple for those five years. And I told, I joke with my wife, I'm like, I feel like I got Mr. Miyagi'd by God. Like I've been like waxing on, waxing off, like painting the fence. Like, have you seen the karate kid? Yeah. Great and I'm, I'm like, I feel like I just got Mr. Miyagi by God. And now I'm coming out on the other side of it and he's been training me. And it's like, we were able to launch like what we've done with consecrate in the past three months is like way gone beyond anything that I would have expected that we could have done. I mean, we were able to do more in three months than we were able to have done in the past like five years because of that. And part of my encouragement would be one of the things I see a lot with young leaders. And I, this is part of what I've been so thankful for of being in that role for so long. So there's a lot of young leaders that I'm seeing in the body of Christ that really want to get into ministry and they go out and say they like raise the support to go into ministry. And a lot of what I see is there's a lot of wasted time. Like they'll raise the support and, um, you know, this isn't an indictment. Like this is, I have a lot of friends that are um, in this world, guys that I lead that I'm trying to help with this is like, Hey, we raise the support. And then, you know, three days a week, they're, you know, chilling out at the park and like hanging with friends and they're not putting in the work. And I'm like, you have people that are working 40, 50, 60 an hour a week jobs paying for you to be in ministry. And they're not paying for you to be in ministry so that you can, 
you know, hang out with your friends. Like they're paying with, for you to be in ministry so you can be doing what they don't have the time to do, which is to reach people for Jesus right now, um, which they have time to do that just in a different way, but to specifically be doing that. And so one of the things I was so grateful for of, honestly, I felt like those five years at Apple, almost like they grinded a lot of laziness out of me that I didn't know was there where like, if I had gone into ministry right out of high school, I probably would have been sleeping in super late. I probably wouldn't have had a set schedule for myself of, Hey, I'm going to require myself to work from these hours to these hours. Um, and I'm going to put the time in. Like, I remember hearing John Bevere say one time, he's like, I don't chit chat. He's like, when we're working during the week, he's like, these are my productive time for the kingdom. He's like, if you want to hang out and chat, like after hours, he's like, let's do it. Like, I'm glad to do that with you. He's like, but you know, we're working here. And so I think one thing I would encourage is don't be afraid to work in eight to five. Like if the, like maybe that's the door of the Lord's opening for you and there's something he wants to train you in. There's something he wants to build in you a, uh, a work ethic, a, um, that's going to make you more effective in a shorter period of time. Um, cause I learned things in five years that probably would have taken me like 15 if I had to just figure them out on my own or just read books about it or things like that. So um, that would be my kind of seemingly unspiritual, but I think uh, advice. That's great. I'm reminded of a book that um, has profoundly impacted me that you were describing an anonymous season. And uh, Dr. Alicia Bricholi, I would just say, read anything that she writes because um, she wrote the book Anonymous and kind of based it off of the idea of Jesus' life and ministry. We know about 10% of it yeah. mathematically, like 33 years. We know about three of them That's that good. are documented. And yeah. so she talks about an iceberg. 10% is exposed. 90% isn't. And yeah. so our lives are a lot like that. And, and it can feel when there is God-sized dreams in your heart or you're sensing yeah. the call of God on your life, there can be a impatience that can yeah. even be motivated by intensity, tenacity, like a grit, yeah. um, yes. a grind, like in a, in a holy way, like a holy yes. discontent of where things are as the status quo. And I think that if Jesus faced 30 years of an anonymous season, I think I'm going to probably feel obscure at times. I'm going to feel yeah. overlooked. I'm going to feel anonymous and it's okay. He wastes nothing. Just like yeah. Luke was describing of five years at Apple that felt like longer than that felt like drudgery at times. Boom. It, oh, it was, it was like karate kid, the classic, yeah. classic movie. And so I think that there's probably things in all of our lives that we wish that God would fast track, but yeah. isn't it like a thousand years? is like a second to God or mm -hmm. a minute and to, to him a minute is like a thousand years. So it's like yeah. our concept of time and his concept of time might be a little bit different, which is why it always feels like he's not early yeah. by our standards, but he's also yeah. never late. It's that Kairos moment for such a time as this boom, ding, done. Yeah. Here we are yeah. in this moment. And uh, speaking of time, I'm going to put Luke five minutes on the clock. These are rapid fire right. questions, an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit better. And I'm just curious, like if you had a day off um, or you had a free night or weekend, um, what's something that maybe you're into as a hobby right now that we might find you doing for fun? Mm. 
Um, I love playing basketball. I played basketball all growing up um, and finally have a crew of guys here in Nashville. Grant Skeldon is one of them who gets together regularly and plays basketball. So that's been a good refreshing uh, thing for me. I've just haven't gotten a chance to do that in a long time and uh, I've been doing that more regularly. So that's kind of my, my hobby at the moment, which my wife jokes, she's like, you like need some hobbies. Cause I'm like, how can my hobby be productive? Is it like reading more books on this? It's like, you just need something that's like not productive. Like just go play basketball or something. Yeah. So that's, that's that for me right now. For young driven leaders in ministry, something that Mike and I, we've observed is a lot of people like us maybe lack a hobby mm-hmm. and maybe they lack friends. Yeah. And so if you can find some things to do that rest is spiritual. Yeah. And absolutely. so, um, it's, it's not a waste of time to have a full soul or yeah. to be led that's by good. streams of quiet water yeah, um, to be good. refreshed by God. So yeah, it's, it doesn't always feel productive, but sometimes yeah. that's the most productive thing that we can do is absolutely to have a hobby to have, you know, then it's like, boom, my energy, you'd think that exercising would take away energy, right? It actually is scientifically shown to give you energy, to create yeah. energy. And so how about this Luke? Second question. What's maybe something that you're looking forward to this summer or in the near future? Mm. Man, um, I'm looking forward to, I just, so I just love summer. Like I love just like warm weather. And so I think I'm excited for that. Like I love just like playing sports outside and like just Tennessee is like super humid. Um, but there's something about like just going outside, getting like super sweaty, like playing ultimate frisbee or like spike ball or something like that outside in the summer. Um, and so, like, I had some friends text me, and like, we're getting like a kickball thing together, like next week. Like, do you want to play? And I'm like, heck yeah. So, just like stuff like that, like just the summer where you can't like do that in the winter, just little things like that, I'm excited about. It's amazing. If you could, this question keeps me on my toes because I never know what the uh, guest is going to ask. And when Mike is on the show, which is normally she, um, we, we don't know, like it could be anything. So if you could ask me a question today, Luke, what would you, what, what would you want to know? That's a good question. Um, I would say if you could go back and do one thing over, like redo something in ministry or, or maybe a either like a season or a decision or something you're like, I wish I would have done this season better, like in ministry or as you were maturing, like for young leaders, what would you say? Yeah, I'd go all the way back to high school um, because of the proximity and the amount of time that I had mm-hmm. spent on the same campus with the same group of people. And I, I knew everyone. I talked to almost everyone, at least in my grade, almost every day. I read names at our graduation. I was somewhat involved. And um, yeah. I think I was well-liked overall. And so something that I look back on with some regret is I wish I would have used some of the relational equity that I had to be more bold, yeah. to be more um, direct about the yeah. the realization that God's placed me in these people's lives and them in mine for such a time as this, and it's not yeah. going to last forever. Yeah. And so I think of high school, I do. Uh, and then I also think of a similar thing because probably there's been moments where I played it safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think of when I was like 20, 22, graduating, um, 
I, was, I went back to grad school, which was a great decision. And for that, I had an agreement with my folks, like I could live at their place yeah. rent free while I was in grad school. And looking back, great decision. I was able to do it yeah. debt free. I do yeah. look at the homes, even in our neighborhood that have like, some of them have gone up 30%, 50% or a hundred percent of value. So okay, yeah. if I like some of the, one of the young guys I'm mentoring right now, yeah. he, he's going to buy a house. He just got the approval and he's going to rent out two or three of the other rooms. The guys who live with them are going to pay his mortgage. He's going to build equity towards his future. And it's going to be a home where ministry could be based out of. So I guess I, I think I made a wise decision or maybe a smart decision, but I wish I would have maybe been willing to make a riskier, bolder, more courageous decision. Um, but I do live with no regrets. Yeah. I live with no regrets, but that's what I would think is what's the future, what's your future self going to thank you for? Yeah, that's good. Um, so back to you. This one's kind of fun. If you're traveling somewhere, what is your must-have road trip snack or meal? Mm. Um, RX bars, 100%. Okay. Like, I, like if, I, uh, if I'm traveling, yeah. I can throw those in my backpack, uh, if I eat them, like they don't make me feel like super tired or, you know, just like way down or anything like that. They're light. So I can like keep working, but they also give me enough energy to where it's, uh, I don't feel like I'm starving. So RX bars, aren't they, um, I've eaten them. Aren't, don't they have egg whites? Isn't that their thing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like uh, dates, like egg whites and they're like three ingredients, like super basic, but they're good. Amazing. This episode brought to you by, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So to put a, a close on the conversation, I've enjoyed our time together acknowledge you for the fire and passion, the burden that you have for your generation, for our generation, and then ones to come. And I'd just be curious for maybe the young leader who wants to reach people in their high school, in their college, mm-hmm on their campus, in their workplace, or in their community, what's maybe one piece of encouragement that you have for them? Mm. I mean, I would say really the pressure isn't on us. It's on the Holy Spirit when it comes to reaching people. And um, the like encouragement and kind of exhortation I would give is just lean on the Holy Spirit as much as you possibly can. Um, because there's been so many times where like, for example, like people that I've been trying to reach, I was like, I have no idea how to even like start a conversation with them. And like one day the Lord just told me, he's like, Hey, I want you to give that person a fist bump. I'm like, what does that have to do with the gospel? Like, I'm like, how's that going to work? I go give them a fist bump 30 minutes later, they come sit down in my office at work and like spill their entire life to me. And I was like, Oh wow. Like he knew they just needed some place to feel safe for like a moment. And so it's like, that's, I would lean on the Holy Spirit as much as you can. Like sometimes he'll tell you things that would be, or, or you just, I say, tell you, like, maybe you'd have like a sense that like this kind of like feeling this nudging of like, oh, I should just talk to this person or just do this. And it's just this domino effect that unfolds, or, or maybe it doesn't look like it, but he's doing more behind the scenes than you could ever realize. And then when it comes to the gospel, like it's not our job to convict people or to get them to respond. It's just our job. You know, the Bible says that we're called to be witnesses, right? We're not called to be the lawyers. Like we're not called to be the person that's trying to convince and do every single thing about like, 
you have to be convinced and and this is you know you have to follow jesus like we're called to be a witness to what we've seen what we've heard in the truth of the gospel the call to repent and follow jesus and then the holy spirit is the one that convicts and he he turns hearts and um i think we put too much pressure on ourselves sometimes where it's like and we're i remember david Jungi cho who was a, a pastor started what was formerly like the largest church in the world and he used to say that the holy spirit was his senior partner He's like, I am the minority partner in this relationship. And I, he's the one calling the shots. I just kind of tag along and do what he asks me to do. And um, so that'd be my encouragement. Like, don't put too much pressure on yourself, but really lean on the Holy Spirit. And he might tell you to do some crazy stuff, which he's told me to do. Um, but it also leads to seeing some pretty crazy stuff. So I think that'd be my encouragement. So good. I love it. And I love leaning on the Holy Spirit. That's so fitting with evangelism because what we need is boldness to be a witness mm -hmm. and acts 1 8 yeah. is this yeah. promise that when the holy spirit comes on you you will yeah. be filled with boldness to be a witness whether it's yeah. in jerusalem your home city in judea samaria kind of the surrounding area or even to the ends of the earth the holy spirit is going to give us boldness to be a witness that this world so desperately needs and so luke that fires me up. What a great encouragement to leave people with today. And um, if you want to find out more about Luke as well as Consecrate, we'll put some links in the show notes. And until next time, I just want to thank you so much for your time with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on today. Really enjoyed our time. You bet. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.